Hey, are you tired of waiting for 500 years for more Game of Thrones content? Lucky for you, we've partnered with Bald Move to create a pod pack. It consists of 12 different episodes from 12 of the top Game of Thrones podcasts on iTunes. A portion of the proceeds goes to a charity to support the ACLU. There are a couple ways you can do it. For $12, you can get all of the episodes. Or for 4 you can get our episode, Bald Moves, and Jay, Jack, and Nick's. Each episode is unique to the pod pack and can't be found anywhere else. To get it, go to Indiegogo and type in pod pack. Or you can go to tinyurl.com slash perfectly honest. And welcome to another episode of To Be Perfectly Honest. As always, I'm Corey. I'm Anel. And this week we're talking about Game of Thrones, Season 7, Episode 7, The Finale. Okay, so Anel, overall, what did you think of the episode? I was really happy with it. I was happy with the way that they decided to end it. We finally got the answer to questions that we've only been able to speculate up until now. We know that Danny is John's aunt and they're humping. And so that's yeah, uh, yeah. something that I think <laughs> no matter what side you stand on, either the ew or the yay, you're happy to finally know for sure, first for sure, for, sure. for <laughs> certain, you know, what's going on with that. Um, a lot of our favorite characters survived this season, which I know has not been a thing that Game of Thrones has typically been able to do for us, but... Yeah, I'm not complaining. There's a controversy about that, too. There is some controversy, but you know what? Thank you for thank you for keeping Jamie. Yeah, I thought this episode was awesome. Um, I must say I did I did like the last one a little bit more, even though you did not like it. Um, I've heard really mixed reactions on that, too. But this one I thought was a good wrap-up for it. Um, I think it sets us up for an amazing next um, season. Uh one thing I thought the the opening I just the entire time I just was like clenching my fucking jaw so hard um, because I uh, looking at Jamie no um, <laughs> just everyone around each other you're like this is insane um, and one thing you know that was really interesting um, that I found out and I'm not sure if I shared this with you Nell or not I've been talking about it with everybody though did you know that Braun and Cersei yep. used to date mm-hmm. and that's the reason that they don't. Yeah. Show up in anything is because they have a uh, clause that if they have to work together, they're done. So it's just best for everyone. Yeah. In the cast crew that they don't ever see each other. That all of a sudden I was like, aha, (laughs) that makes sense. I had always subconsciously been like, that's so weird that he's never around her. But. But I mean, who would really want to be around Cersei anyway if they didn't have to be? Offset, I'm sure she's pleasant. Um. Um, so yeah, with that though, um, I think we should maybe just get into it because this one has a whole lot. Um, the format for this one's going to be a little different. We're just going to go through fairly fast and talk about the episode. We're going to summarize it up by kind of giving what we thought of the overall things, delve a little bit deeper into some issues that we might have had with the episode or some things that we thought were important. And then actually there's going to be a part B of this episode. And that's going to be 
essentially our conclusions about everything and what we think is going to happen for the next season. What's setting up for that? If we have any conspiracy theories, any fan theories that we've heard about that we like, um, and discuss feedback we've gotten from the audience. So stay tuned for this one. Um, and then if you guys are just super eager to hear about Game of Thrones and what we think for the next season, listen to Part B. Let's begin. This episode is called Dra- The Dragon and the Wolf. Yeah, when we found out about this, um, you know, a little bit before the episode aired, I was like, oh, shit. And we saw the preview for the next episode on the last one, and we just saw everyone sitting around together, and I was like, God. Um, In hindsight, it didn't go as bad as I thought, but... um, Yeah, we open up and we are at King's Landing. Um, When we open up, we see basically the Unsullied and we see on top of the battlements that we have Bronn and Jaime. And at first I had to be like, wait, where are we? And then we see kind of in the distance, we see the tower of King's Landing. So we're at King's Landing, the the armies have arrived and we have Bronn and Jaime kind of talking about, you know, oh, what's it like to be Unsullied, blah, 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 bullshit like that. And then we have our Dothraki come in. And this is when everyone's like, oh, fucking shit. As we know, this is a meeting. It's under a peaceful pretense. No one's going to spill any blood, at least on this side. So we think. So I totally didn't know what to expect. You saw, um, you know, Bron getting those barrels of what appeared Page. to be like yeah. tar or something. Yep. Um, and so I was like, is there a battle that's about to happen? But it I was think just... they were just <clears throat> thinking everyone was going to mm-hmm. double cross them, which, I mean... I was like, no, it happens, but not the way we thought. Yeah, but not really the smartest thing to have uh, tar and oil, everything that can be lit up on fire when you have dragons that could be on their way, too. The thing that I thought was neat about this is the conversation that Bron and Jamie had about, you know, what what's important to you about fighting what do we fight for basically essentially is what he answers yeah so it's interesting that the whole episode of this show is kind of jamie questioning you know what is important is it still family for him or you know has the situation changed his priority and same same thing with braun too you'll see that in um, the episode as it progresses yeah i don't I so I traditionally kind of like to look at these episodes from whose point of view are they in. Um, the book, each chapter is essentially from a point of view of a character, and so I think a lot of the episodes tend to do that as well. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. And to me, this screams a Jamie point of view um, for a lot of it. So um, and I think that's what he's kind of thinking about. What, right now, the only thing he's fighting for is family, and the only family he really has left at this point. Seriously, he kind of has Tyrion, too, but, I mean, he's on that fence of, I mean, you're trying to kill us, but you're also my brother, and I love you, but we also kind of pissed you off, and my sister slash the bitch I'm fucking is trying to kill you. Like, it's a tightrope. But, yeah. Um, yeah, essentially, you know, he's saying, fuck everyone else. I'm just fighting for my family. I'm just trying to stay alive. But that's kind of crazy. <laughs> I mean, especially in this situation. But it's working for them, so well. whatever. Not only that, he, you know, just found out he has the, has, baby. A, mm-hmm, yeah. has family to fight for besides just seriously. Mm. Show me the paternity paperwork. <laughs> right. <laughs> gotta say. Mm. This baby comes out looking like you're on. I got or some the questions. Mountain. Ew. She's too into that dead mountain, dude. It's, it's freaking me out. 
Um, yeah, another thing that we have is we have all the Greyjoy ships are in the bay, and that's kind of where we're like, oh, shit. And then we pan over to the left, and we see our three little babies. There were, like, five. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, guys, you're here for the meeting. <laughs> it's like, oh, did the five of those ships get lost? Yeah. Um, oh, wait. Uh, they need to learn to march in formation. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, kind of an interesting little, like, oh, shit, we remember. Oh, like, yeah, there's armies around, but fuck. We have this crazy Euron ship fleet that is just death on death on sails. And just the fact that, you know, all their most important people, aside from Danny, are on those ships. And really, if Euron well, wanted to... Well, at this point, to... we don't even... We, we do kind of know that just because she says she's not with them, but... Yeah. Well, and then we see them on the boat. I mean, unless she was, like, down below or something, but when is she... She's like, I'm down below. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a nonstick. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we saw John, though. So everyone kind of gets out on land. Then we see, you know, we're like, okay, if there's not a battle happening, everyone's this, this is just this envoy that we expected to come coming. And they're marching through the kind of the gardens and through the, the dragon um, arena. And so we have kind of everyone from all these places reunited. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to see what side they're on, how they're reacting towards each other. Um, you know, we have a lot of people, so we want to go through everyone that comes in. Yeah, we have um, John, Sardavos, Theon, Jorah, Varys, Masande, Tyrion, and the Hound. And then we also have the Hound uh, guarding the white that they mm. captured. Um, yeah, we have a couple of the Drothraki that are with them just as guards. And we have a couple of the Lannister sh- soldiers kind of always around in these scenes just to make sure that shit doesn't go wrong. And we have Bronn as kind of the envoy of the Queen, which is kind of interesting as she was just threatening to kill him before. Um, we also have Brienne and Podrick. So this is what's kind of interesting to me is Brienne and Podrick are there essentially on behalf of the North. They almost feel like they're closer to the Lannisters, though. Well, it's probably because they're surrounded by like a zillion Lannister guards. I I see that. They do say your friends arrived before you did, so. Yeah, but this is the first time that we've had all of these characters in the same place and so you have these great callbacks to moments that have happened in previous episodes like you have um podrick who's talking to Tyrion, and he's almost sort of like still got this great uh, appreciation for Tyrion because Tyrion was mm-hmm. kind of the first person to ever give him a chance and now he's come so far you know brand's trained him and you know, I don't know if you'd really call him a knight. I don't think that he's a knight yet, but no. <laughs> he's uh, definitely made some progress to where the last time that they met, they were um, in the Battle of the Blackwater, right? Mm-hmm. And so then you have um, uh, Bronn saying, come on, you can suck his magic cock later, a call back to when, you know, they were captured by those, I forget uh, I can't remember, but yeah, <laughs> dwarven were, magic cock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were looking for dwarves because they had magic cocks. And then my favorite uh, callback when they're walking towards the dragon pit was um, when Brienne and the Hound finally get to see each other. And, you know, they yeah. he, she thought that he was dead, you know, and they're able to kind of put those um, <laughs> instances aside. And she knows that he was actually trying to protect protect. Arya, mm-hmm. so it's almost like she kind of owes him an apology because she was trying to kill him because she thought she was protecting Arya. So she knows that 
Arya is someone who's important to him and she can kind of tell him like, hey, she's alive. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like he almost kind of smiled, you know what I mean? Like, okay, cool. I did my job. Yeah, everyone arrives at the pit and you see Bronn and Pod conspicuously leave and go have a drink while everyone waits for Cersei to arrive. Um, when Cersei finally makes her entrance, she's accompanied by the Mountain, Jamie, Kyburn, Euron, and a team of Lannister soldiers. Um, the Hound instantly notices his brother and approaches the Mountain saying, you know who it is that's coming for you, right? Then he stops, uh, grabs the white and... Danny makes her incredible entrance with her two dragons. I just thought it was awesome that every time you see those dragons, they have the show has an awesome way of like making their entrance give you goosebumps every time. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you know we see this in a later scene where um, she's basically talking about oh like she was trying to show off. She showed us everything she got. She brought the Dothraki. She brought the Unsullied. She brought her two dragons. Something happened to the third one, so it's dead. But it's so funny that she doesn't, you know, go the next step further and go, how did it die? Hmm. Mm-hmm. She just went to the north, with fought these people? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that would be. So there's a lot of people in this scene that this is their first time ever seeing dragons. And mm-hmm. so getting to see their reaction as she swoops down with two huge dragons. Well, and that's the, the thing that just takes the cake for me is fucking seriously sitting there like stone-faced with these fucking goddamn dragons. And it's like, uh, seriously, bitch? Mm-hmm. Gonna bat an eye? Um, but yeah, she's definitely, she she knew this was coming. She She's like, I have to practice doing my stone face for when the dragons come. Oh yeah, she needs to practice real hard because uh, in a few minutes she's gonna see something else that yeah. she's gonna have to keep a stone right. face for that but no one can keep She's not expecting a... that, yeah. Um, yeah, very, very interesting for sure. Um, so... Everyone sits down. Um, we have basically Tyrion is going to be the ambassador for the, the, the good side. So um, since he's obviously an old Lannister, he's going to try to tie the, the, the tension. And before that starts, so we have um, Clegane walks over to his brother, the mountain, and essentially sees that he is fucking dead, <laughs> but like still walking. And is like, what the fuck they do to you? You're even uglier than I am. Um, but don't worry about that because... I'm going to be the one that fucking kills you. Just you wait. So did you think that they were about to have Clegane Bowl like right then no, and there? No, I knew they were teasing that shit. Yeah, I no was a little disappointed. Way. I was like, no way. It's, it's coming, but it's not going to be 20. It's not going to be 2017. Um, yeah, that. so that kind of prefaces this like tension that we have from everybody. And yeah, then, you have all these people who independently want to kill the other person. Like, have And most of them are related too. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all of this tension. I think they did an awesome job at creating that. This is like those um, uh, those Thanksgiving memes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thanksgiving clapback. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a Game uh, of Thrones clapback. When you go to your Aunt Cersei's for Thanksgiving at the Dragon Stadium. <laughs> and that one bitch brings her two dragons. <laughs> um. So we have that out of the way. Then we have Tyrion kind of steps up to do his, I'm going to do my best at being a diplomat. And right away we have Euron that's like, you're a fucking dwarf. Like, what are you doing? You know, we kill you. Like, totally being a bully. (laughs) And you have Beyond clap back. Yeah. And it wasn't even a funny joke. Yeah, and then he's like, I have your sister. I'm going to fucking kill her unless you surrender to me right now. 
Then you have Jamie, who's like, sit your ass down. Bitch. And then Cersei has to be like, Mountain, tell, tell yeah. his ass to sit down. Yeah. So we kind of get a couple things from this. A, a, like I was saying before, we have this tension that's just on the, you know, the edge of a knife. But B, we kind of see how we think, at least at this point, that Cersei doesn't really have control of anyone. <laughs> like She has control over the mountain, and that's it. She has control it. of the mountain, and that's it. But like she doesn't really have control over Jamie. She does not have control over Euron. He's a loose cannon. And, you know, unequivocally, I think you could say that Euron is probably the biggest asset to the army that they have. Like, for sure. So that is kind of uh, unpredictable. One thing, too, a couple other things that I almost forgot about were, did you see the look that uh, Cersei and Tyrion gave each other? Oh, my God. Oh, if remember. looks could kill. Oh, yeah. She She's was pissy. like pure disgust. And then um, my favorite that was just like a short blip, but I was like, oh, my God. Jamie and Brienne have not seen each yeah, other since they left. Uh, was it River Run? Yeah. Um, so. Where uh, she was like on a boat and Jamie like waves goodbye to her. I'm like, uh, I forgot how much I shipped those two. Yeah. I well, probably might be happy, but we'll get in that in a little bit. A lot of bit. Um, One other thing, though. I was doing some research and I totally forgot that when Jamie came back that time uh after him and Brienne were gone for so long and his hand was cut off she met uh Brienne met Cersei and Cersei mm-hmm. was like oh you love him and she was like oh. oh yeah so there's also that little love triangle mm-hmm. action in there so this is the oh hell no not you family dinner yeah this is oh, like sure. everyone's looking around the table like oh is that my ex is that my I oh that person. someone I that this person. person this person wanted me kill this person you know oh man can you imagine yeah definitely you know another thing that i think is kind of like hovering over this and they do have a little conversation here um is that after this or before yeah it's after this part um but we have the dragons land in this dragon stadium where they literally chained dragons (laughs) and i'm like oh oh my god like we just lost one dragon yeah (laughs) we cannot do it again like Scary. It's obviously in ruin, but um, pretty pretty fucking crazy. Um, yeah, let's shout out to the whoever did the setup for this scene. I mean, the cinematography oh, when you enter that glorious. That this is why pit. we didn't have wolves, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like mm, wolves. Uh, what, uh, what are those? Yeah, okay. <laughs> they should have just been like, um, and this one was chained up, and it's small now. Hey, if I would have had to get a plush toy for uh, <laughs> a, <laughs> a wolf, I would have been fine if I knew that this was coming. Uh, seriously. Um, so, basically, everyone's met each other. The precedence is set. And Tyrion essentially says, hey, like, the reason that we're here is not because we know we're going to make peace by talking, because we all fucking hate each other. We're here to fucking show you something. Like, the city is so fucking crazy huge. It's the same size as the entire north. Like, so Tyrion basically is like, hey, bro, hound, come on. We saw hound sneaks off carrying this huge fucking box like a badass. It's like, oh, throws it down. And we're like, oh, my God, is the fucking white dead? I thought the white was dead I was for like, sure. Dude, fail. Like, um, and he pushes it out and it straight up 
like zombie style, shoots straight for fucking Cersei's throat. And once again, the hound's a badass and fucking yanks it back with fucking chain. And he does his crazy ass uh, sword moves where he fucking beats it, cuts it in ha- its head off, cuts its arm off, and it's still fucking moving. It's like the perfect show for like, this is what is fucking going down in the north. This is the first time you see Cersei show any expression oh other than... Oh my god, than... she's fucking scared as shit. Yeah, and J- <laughs> poor Jamie. Jamie's like this, you know, knight. He's been around through battle after battle. He's this, you know guy that shouldn't have any fear and he is terrified again yeah. second time in this uh this season yeah besides the dragons oh yeah he's yeah he's like he keeps on having like midlife crisis and then like uh oh but i have a, i'm having a baby okay no i'm back in it oh, oh okay the dead are alive <laughs> <laughs> what's gonna save him from this Shit. um oh it's twins uh <laughs> And they're going to fuck. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but yeah, pretty pretty insane. So essentially, they're like, hey, this is what we're dealing with. There's a crazy ton of them. Um, does he give a, a quote on how many of them there were? Or does Daenerys? I think um, it's like three. What'd you say? A lot. Uh, Jamie asked how many how many were there. And she said, a hundred, you know, at least 100,000. Yeah. Like, and as we see from the, the closing, a whole lot of shit, a ton more. But we'll, we'll go into that. So we have Jamie, who's like scared shitless. And he's like, you know, how many, how many are there? And uh, we have Danny kind of pipe in and finally say, you know, there's at least 100,000. And John's like, yeah, this is the only war that matters right now. But, uh, so Kyburn grabs this cut off arm and is like, Oh, Kyburn has I'm a hard on. Yeah, for but this. I'm also kind of secretly like, he already knows how to do this. He already did this with the mountain. Like, well, I think not I, really. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, but like you were saying uh, when we we just briefly talked about this. Uh, but what Corey Corey's point on this was is that Kyburn studied live people um, and experimented on them. You know, and he's never done the dead. So it's totally given him a hard on to grab this oh, hand yeah. and like. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> like, have you ever had a stranger from a dead person? <laughs> <laughs> he's like literally the first person out there. He was probably I didn't ever look at his face, but he was probably like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. Yeah, this worry this a worries me. Not only for everyone on our good, good good team as i'm gonna call them but also like um dude if i was Cersei, i would be like bro (laughs) we know you like to make things that are alive that dead back alive maybe you should calm the fuck down we don't want a zombie plague in king's landing do you think the mountains like judgy like "Mm, Mm. i'm a way better white no he's probably like oh i can't get my arm cut off (laughs) <laughs> well maybe he can who knows know, he had like a hatchet him. through his chest before yeah i would still like to see kind of the origins of what the fuck actually is with a mountain and i'd like to see him with the fucking helmet off again um uh speaking of origins somebody who maybe should have seen this you know who's had a lot of experience all over the globe is Euron, and he's like this is the only fucking thing i've ever seen that terrifies me yeah and he tells danny he's like well, he asks, you know, do they, they swim? swim? Yeah. And then John tells him no. 
And um, he has, he tells Danny, like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm going to go wait out the winter on my island. You should do the same. And then we'll meet up because we're like, we'll be the only people still alive. So right. wink, wink. See you later, doll. You know, what's funny about that, though, is, oh, no, they can't swim. But, you know, they can take gigantic chains and go underwater and grab a dragon. Hey, don't get me Just started on those chains again. <laughs> yeah. So we basically have Euron, you know, going, hey, fuck this. I'm going to go off on my island. Peace out. You guys should probably do the same fucking thing. And at this moment, I'm like, oh, fuck. And then we find out later that he is. This was all planned act. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But this is very interesting. This is a very subtle double cross that I did not even pick up on. Did you? No. Uh, to me, like, he, he, he was so convincing at the fact of seeing this. Because... They obviously had to prearrange this double cross, which, like you said, we'll get into more detail later. But mm-hmm. he hadn't seen this before. He literally says this is the first time. They had time no I've idea been... what was coming either. D- yeah. yeah. So Euron doesn't strike me as the type of person that doesn't, you know, strike a deal without a quote unquote fuck you clause, which means if the deal doesn't work out for him. He doesn't break it with a fuck you. Yeah. And this, to me, seems like his fuck you clause. Maybe Cersei doesn't catch on to that. I don't know. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, for sure. So Euron pieces out, walks out of the fucking stadium. He's the uncle that got too drunk and fucking left. Thanksgiving. Um, so Cersei is basically like, that guy's a fucking coward. He needs to accept the truth. Like, um, And then she's like, you know what? I'm down. On second thought. But everyone's like... Yeah, and then she's like, but. (laughs) (laughs) So Cersei says, hey, essentially, the North needs to stay in the North. You can't pledge loyalty. Those are my conditions. And Jon says, I can't do that because I've already pledged allegiance to my Queen Daenerys. And I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. If you want me to be a man of my word, like my father, that's the way it is. Um, So Jon had one thing that he had to do is just suck it up, do a teeny tiny little lie to the enemy. But we all knew who who this was that she was talking to. And that's why she said, I trust Ned Stark's son. But the fact that she called out Ned Stark's son, I thought was just a little Easter egg to the fact that we're about to find out he ain't Ned Mm -hmm. Stark's son. For real, real. Yeah. You know, I think another big part of this is Cersei used that against Ned. It's like the same thing that the same trait that Ned and um, John share that Cersei's trying to use against him, just like she used against his father. You know, that's, she was like, oh, Ned, oh, I know you're going to do this. Fucking did it in front of everyone, called him a traitor. Instead of him just lying and going with it or trying to do something and stab her in the back, she utilized that. She tries to do the same thing to her, his son, quote unquote, and it backfires, not because he isn't that person, but because he is to a fault so much that he's like, no, I've already pledged allegiance to her. I, I can't. I'm not going to swear an oath I can't uphold and I can't serve two queens. And she's like, oh, you already pledged to this bitch. Uh-huh. See ya. Storms mm-hmm. off. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but definitely very interesting. I'm not sure what side he should have picked, but as we see later, it doesn't really matter. So as you see Cersei storm off, you also see Brienne try desperately to stop Jamie, And she's trying to convince him, you know, you need to talk to Cersei. And he's like, yeah, yeah, next time I'll see you on the battlefield. And, you know, 
he's like, I'm loyal to Cersei, you're loyal to Jon and Sansa, and she's like, fuck loyalty. And you see that, like, stop him in his tracks, because that is not like Brienne at all. She's always been this person who, I don't think she's broken any oaths. Like, she's always been a character who that, um, her number one goal is to be loyal and to be honorable and to be a knight and she epitomizes like all of the things that Jamie has always wanted or to be in a night, but just hasn't been able to hold. Um, and so when she says fuck loyalty, it really makes him think. And, uh, just one more call back to the fact of, you know, what is actually being loyal and, and how can you really uphold oaths and stay loyal and what's important. So Anyway, but the point of me saying that is I think that that really made Jamie stop and think. I think that was like a first point of him like questioning like, hmm, what what is important to me and, and what is what is my goal? Mm-hmm. I think Brienne is his I think Brienne is Jamie's connection to like reality almost. He lives in this like bubble of aristocracy with his sister fucking his sister you know, all the money, all the power, blah, 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 everyone up his own ass. And then it's like, she's the one that is, he can count on to be truth. It's like his steadfast, you know, true North. And her saying this, I think triggers kind of this internal, oh shit, you know? So then we have Tyrion basically, um, is like, Hey, the only way that we're going to get to be able to do this is I have to go talk to my sister. And everyone's like, it's suicide. Don't do it. And he's like, well, I'm going to have to do it. So, um, he goes to talk with his sister. Um, Jamie, it looks like tried to talk to her already, but he was kicked out and they have a conversation where, um, you can tell that they're both still, they have this brotherly love for each other, even though they're a little irked at each other at the same time. Um, they're kind of joking a little bit. Um, and it's clear that Cersei puts all the family's problems on Tyrion, and um, it kind of makes no sense. Um, we see in the scene, like, she's blaming him literally for everything. And it's like, eh, <laughs> don't think you can quite do that. Like, even in your delusional craziness, like, even if he is responsible for Joffrey's death, that doesn't, and, and your father's, it doesn't have anything to do with anything else. Like... But she knows that he's not responsible for Joffrey's death. She knows that, but she blames him for it still. She still blames him for everything. Like, it's crazy. Um, So, basically, Tyrion gets sick of this fucking circular-ass conversation that they have all the fucking time. And he's like, you know what? Kill me. Go ahead and do it. I'm calling your bluff, but kill me if you want to. And she doesn't. And this is where she has the fucking look in her eyes that is so maniacal and evil. And I thought she was about to do it, but she doesn't. And in hindsight, do you think this is part of the, her plan? Do you think she would have done it if she wasn't trying to use him? Um. Well, I don't. That's a good. That's a good speculation. Um. I hadn't thought that far through into it. Like she's got a plan, and Tyrion's part of it. But it very well could be. Um. But one thing that I noticed throughout this whole episode is that every time the mountain steps forward on behalf of Cersei to kill someone she never she never has him follow through so I'm like I don't know if it's just she's getting soft in her pregnancy those hormones are just flowing through her and she's just like oh I hate you but I love you yeah um I think it's her 
actually, which is kind of surprising because it's Cersei, holding back. Because um, we see whenever she wants something, she's going to get it. It's usually just she fucking blows up the fucking, you know, everybody. Mm-hmm. She kills everybody. Like, I think she's playing the long game here. And she's finally trying to play a game of fucking chess where it's not, you're not going all out at once so everyone can destroy you because she can't do that. There's two dragons at her neck, you know? She plays that game, she's donezo. So she has to do it quite carefully. Um, and I think this, like, the look in her eyes when she, she, you can tell she just wants to give that order to kill him so bad, but doesn't. Um, and I think that is, I think that's her playing the long game. I think she would have done it if it wasn't for her plans for later. Um, but so Tyrion's like, Oh, my, I have my life and goes immediately fucking tries to get drunk. Um, gives her a cup of wine. Um, and she doesn't drink at all. And well, she puts her hand on her stomach too. Yeah. And, but, and, and she doesn't drink the wine and Tyrion's not a dumb guy. So yeah. he's like, you're preggers. Yeah. So then we cut to John and Danny talking. Yeah. John and Danny are having a conversation and she's, you know, saying, well, I wish you hadn't done it, but I respect it, which I think is how everyone kind of felt like, okay, John and his honorability again. But um, it gives Danny and John a chance to talk where she talks about the dragon pits and how it was the beginning of the end for her family. Dragons aren't meant to be slaves. And um, they have a chance to kind of talk and she tells him, you know, if I had trusted you, everything would have been different. And then we get the big Easter egg of her saying again. It's like every time she gets a chance to say it, she does. Hey, did I ever tell you I can't have children? Like. Hey, Corey, pass the sugar. Did I ever tell you I can't have children? Mm-hmm. Hey, Corey, oh, no um, I think we need to stop by the gas station. Oh, but um, I can't have children. Corey, do you want onions in your soup? I can't have children. Yeah, there's, like, a, whole, there's a whole lot in this scene that's interesting, you know. After she, they're talking about the dragon, they're passing along the little dragon skull that looks like a cat. Um, you know, she says that they were terrifying and extraordinary and they filled people with wonder and awe and we locked them up here and they wasted away. They grew small and we grew small as well. We weren't extraordinary without them. We were just like everyone else. And it's like, I think this is playing a huge importance on these dragons and what might be coming here. I have a feeling we're going to see another dragon die next season. Well, I mean, that's what for sure. Here's what I think though is she has these expectations. It may be the magic feather, you know. She says that she wasn't, you know, that her Targaryen people weren't extraordinary without them. Well, we all know who's a Targaryen now and who's that actual um, mm-hmm. heir to the throne, and it's Jon. And he's pretty extraordinary, and he hasn't ever had a dragon. He had a dire wolf, but no dragon, so. Yeah, who knows? Um, her brother was pretty young. Un- unremarkable without dragon but because he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was pretty unremarkable period um, dragon or not danny's making all these speculations now we also forget how young danny is and she's grown up a little bit but what is she like 16 at most so she danny is essentially that girl from high school that's like oh no like the condom broke inside of me like 12 times and it's never happened like i can't i probably can't have kids and then <laughs> Oh um, nope, you had we had triplets, like I've given seven blowjobs with no condom and I'm still not pregnant. Yeah, so I can't get pregnant. <laughs> I always pull 
<laughs> John's like, well, I never pull that. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, pretty awesome. Um, yeah, she also says that John was right about everything and that she should have listened to him and things would be completely different. Um, she says that she can't forget what she saw up north of the wall, but she also can't forget that, you know, Cersei's going to try and kill us. And in this moment, I'm like, oh, you guys are so fucked. Like, you guys are playing the honest game, and she's playing the fucking lowball game. That doesn't work. Like, it makes me anxious. I mean, the good thing is she has fucking dragons, but so is the Night King. If you're not cheating, you don't want to win. Yeah. So then Tyrion comes back, and he basically says... um, he doesn't say shit, but Cersei pops back out and she's like, an agreement has been made. My armies will march north of the wall. When the fighting is over, I hope you remember that I helped without any promises or assurances, but I suspect not. So they're calling this the Great War. So this is now the great, the grand title it's of this. on and popping. And you know that um, Kyburn is just like, I can't wait to get my hands on all these undead people and start my potions and lotions and everything else. (laughs) Bitch, you're going to look so nice with that undead dying cream for your eyes. So uh, we cut scene and we have the raven flying into Winterfell and Sansa receives a scroll from the raven announcing that Jon has pledged his house to the Targaryens. So uh, Sansa's obviously more than thrilled about that because we all know Sansa. Hey, did I tell you that um, Sansa was here yesterday, Corey? You did. Yeah. Um, so, guys, Sansa was actually in our hometown yesterday, confirmed by Instagram. And also a little bird brought a scroll a to bed. me. And uh, she was at one of our more popular restaurants here, but I kind of felt like. Wouldn't that be the Anel, pot calling the kettle black? Anel Hi, wanted to go and be like, hey, we have a podcast. We would love to have you sign something or just say something really quick. But then we're like, oh, God, she's going to listen to it and hear all the horrible things that Anel <laughs> said about Sansa. Hey, I love the actress. What, I Sophie do Turner. She's gorgeous, yeah. Sansa just has a little questionable. I mean, I liked her a little better after this episode. But oh, for sure. we all know, if you've listened to me talk about Sansa, Probably not the best person to be like, hey, I know you're eating dinner. And then, of course, why would I interrupt her dinner when she's already been through so much with Ramsey and oh, Cersei? Yeah. I mean, she deserves a dinner by herself. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if she wore any of those furs up here at Alaska. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be funny? She's got her whole, like, Catelyn Stark, like, yeah. hood and, like, oh. she's like, mm, winter is coming. <laughs> seriously um so anyways sansa um shares the information with littlefinger who suggests that john may want to marry Daenerys and form an alliance he also suggests that although john was named king of the north he can be unnamed (laughs) yeah we just have littlefinger spinning his little webs again and this is where i mean obviously i was right about this being betrayed and bullshit but um like this is so toot, toot. obvious. That's the sound of Corey's horn. Toot, toot. Yeah, I'm just saying I was right. Um, but even if up until this point you're still thinking, oh no, like she's going to betray Arya, like this is so over the top. Like, how can Littlefinger think this is going to fucking work? Like, 
everything, everything can be undone. Oh, you're going to lose everything because John's going to marry her. And, oh, let's try and unname him. And, uh, it's like, yeah, um, you're a treasonous bastard. Like, this is what fucking happened. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Sansa, like, even if Sansa's what she says, like, she's like, Arya could want me dead because she thinks that I wronged my family. She came to Winterfell to kill me for marrying our enemies and betray- betraying the family. She got the letter to have proof of these things when she murders me, and then she will be Lady of Winterfell when she does. Like, that sounds ridiculous. Like, everything we know about Arya, that sounds ridiculous. Why would she want to be a lady? Why would she care about killing Sansa for being married to someone when Littlefinger forced her to marry those people? Like, that's common knowledge. It's just uh, it's frustrating. So I'm like, okay, whatever. That's obviously fucking bullshit. Yeah. I, I think that this shows that Sansa's actually been pretty fucking cunning. I think she's going to be an asset for the Starks for this next season to come. But this entire one, she's been playing this long game. It's been good. Um, so next scene after this, we show up and we are at Dragonstone. We're back at the painted table. Back at the Drizzen. Driggy Stone. Driggy Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Driggy Dragonstone. Drizzle song. <laughs> um... So we find out that the Dothraki are going to march, the Unsullied are going to sail and meet them there on the King's Road from the White Harbor. And we're, we're kind of having a conversation about, is it okay for, what should what should Danny do? Should she just fly up there on a dragon? Should she sail with them? What should she do? And Jorah's like, hey, you might get assassinated. <laughs> like, it's like, Jorah, calm the fuck down, bro. They're going to see your beautiful blonde hair that i've just been dreaming about the whole time um and she's like no you know i'm not conquering we're literally going there to fight together i don't think there should be anyone worried about this like and if they do have a fucking dragon we're gonna sail together that's that so so anyway next scene is theon and john talking yep so great Greyjoy and john kind of have a little heart to heart and make up um you know John is essentially like, you know what, Ned is part of you as well, and even though you've, you know, fucked up, I can forgive you for what I can, but I can't forgive you for everything. And he says, you know what, go and save your sister. Um, and kind of they part ways, and I, th- I think for his part, he's made up. Now, that definitely doesn't forgive him with everybody, but, you know, he's had a little heart-to-heart with Sansa, he's had it with John now. He didn't kill Bran, so he's still a piece of shit but i think he's like trying to work his way up and i think with this forgiveness maybe he can like kind of take on this new ego of okay everything's gonna be fine so yeah definitely and there's a little foreshadowing i think with theon trying to decide you know he's had this internal battle he says he's always been trying to decide you know um stark or Greyjoy. is is it stark or is it Greyjoy? And uh, John's telling him, you know, you don't need to choose. You're both. You're Greyjoy and a Stark. Is maybe gives us a little insight to once John finds out his true heritage, what he's going to be, you know, using to consider on how he processes that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So the next scene we have, basically, Greyjoy goes out to the boats and his men. And he had the one leader. I don't do, you know this guy's name and just some douche. Yeah, dude. I looked it up, but I forgot. Um, and he's like, hey, we're going to go and we're going to save Yara because, you know, every one of you fought for Yara, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, no, eh, we're not going to listen to you, blah, blah, blah. And he gets in a brawl with the guy. And it looks like he is going to be down for the count. And he keeps on getting up, though. Like, that's one thing to his credit. And towards the end, when he gets up, <laughs> the guy's like, I've had enough of you. Fucking knees him in the balls. <gasps> but wait, 
Theon don't have no balls, and Theon beats the shit out of him. So um, everyone basically kind of rallies around him. They take the ship out, and he's going off to save Yara. And maybe for once, actually not be a piece of shit. And also kind of do the... He's doing the exact same thing that she did for him. Going into a hopeless situation to go and save her. Yeah, and so I think this is the turnaround of his uh, character character arc. arc. Yeah, um, sure. You also see him at the end of the uh, scene kind of dip in the water and like wash his face in the water. It's almost like symbolic of like a baptism. baptism. Yeah. Okay. So next we cut back to Winterfell and we have Sansa and she is summoning to have her sister Arya brought back to the Great Hall. Um, once Arya arrives, she asks Sansa, are you sure you want to do this? And Sansa says, yes, it's what honor demands. And she says... Sansa says, you stand accused of murder and treason. How do you answer these charges, Lord Baelish? And he bum, does, bum, bum. He does the what, Corey? What? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I'm a bit confused. Yeah, he freaks out. He goes over to Lords of the Vale and is like, no, you know what? I'm never do this. <laughs> and then drops to his knees and like, please, please. Pathetic. Arya's like, we don't believe you. Cuts his throat. Now, a um, couple things that I just wanted to make known that were important about this scene is that the Starks are finally clapping back this season, and it doesn't stop with the phrase Arya Littlefinger. And this is because they finally got together in another scene that they must have cut, but. The Starks know that the conflict between the Lannisters and the Starks was all because of Lord Baelish himself. Lord Baelish. That um, that knife that uh, Catspaw was really Lord Baelish's knife. He told Bran in, earlier in the season that he didn't know who it was. And uh, he told Catelyn that it was Tyrion. So they know that he's been setting some shit up. A um, bunch of other things too. But did you have anything else to comment about Corey. um my my one question is now are we gonna use little fingers face in the next season oh of course has to be yes 100 that's something you probably don't want to do and probably in a big group of people is cut off someone's face and then wear it just saying why not yeah it's not a very stark thing to do um that's another thing i will say is this is the first time that we've kind of seen someone what's the stark motto like if you're going to carry out a sentence you're going to do it yourself Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen with Sansa. So, yeah. double standard. Hmm. We cut to King's Landing, where Jamie's preparing the expedition north with the Lannister Knights. And Cersei walks in and asks to speak with her brother in private. She's asking Jamie, Are you a traitor or an idiot? Nothing says love like those questions, right, Corey? Yep. <laughs> Cersei explains to Jamie that she lies about pledging, or she that she lied about pledging their forces to ensure the survival of their house. She tells him the Iron Bank is backing them and that she secured the assistance of the mercenaries known as the Golden Company. And that Euron didn't really retreat to the Iron Islands like a coward, but is sailing to Essos to bring them back to help them win the war. Da-da-da! Jamie tries to reason with Cersei, saying, This isn't about noble houses, it's about the living and the dead, and our child will never be born if the dead come south. Jamie explains to her that she's that he's made a promise and he intends to honor that pledge to ride north. Jamie had no idea 
about the Euron thing. He's like the leader of the entire army that she possesses, the Lannister army, and she's conspiring with Euron about this whole other plan that Jamie knows nothing about. So happy about the fact that these two have broken up. Because I didn't realize how much I shipped Jamie and Brienne until this scene earlier, but I think now it's uh, something that could potentially happen. Um, Jamie does mention the fact that uh, promises and he intends to honor his pledge to ride north. And he almost directly quotes Brienne saying this isn't about noble houses. Um, yep. He got that reality check from Brienne. You know, I think one thing that we might have skipped over is the fact that um, she basically sticks the mountain on him again, but he calls the bluff and walks away. Um, and this one I feel like is genuine. I don't feel like this is part of her, you know, major scheming plan i feel like she really does love him but it's it's pretty weird this is the third time that um the mountain has stepped forward to kill someone that um first time being euron which may have been just like a little side thing but definitely two things to note is that she's had two opportunities to kill her only two brothers first opportunity was Tyrion. second opportunity was jamie and she hasn't now, we all know that Cersei's whole motivation in her mind is her family. And uh, even though she doesn't claim Tyrion anymore, she still hasn't killed him. Even though she basically calls Jaime a traitor. Um, she well, still... she's been doing this from, from almost the beginning of the season, too. So I think, you know... We saw them on the rocks before, and remember when Jamie was fucking out in the middle of nowhere being captured, all she had was her children, but now that her children are all gone, she kind of leaned in with that Jamie character again, and was like, okay, oh, I love you, eh. But that lasted literally only until she got pregnant. And I think then she realized, oh, no, I've seen what you've done, you're not in for this for the long game, you're not willing to do what it takes completely, you gotta be completely on my side. So she's writing him off, worrying about the baby. And I think, um, you know, her saying, or are you a traitor or an idiot? And she kind of questions Tyrion about, you know, whether he's smart or not as well in Tyrion's conversation with her. I think she feels like she is the most competent of her family. And um, as far as Jamie's concerned, um, especially in the books, I've read that she's always kind of had this um, looming jealousy of Jamie, how he, because he was a boy, he got to be a knight and he got to do these things that she always kind of wished that she could be involved in because she did feel more competent. And because she was a woman, she had to be the person that got Mm -hmm. to, had to get married. She was the only one that was listening to her father. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Said in the scene even. Um, So (laughs) I think Jamie finally realizes uh, when, you know, she pulls the mountain on him that you know, she's not in it the same way that he is. Like he, if you look back on all of the things that motivated him throughout these, um, throughout the whole series, it's always been um, motivated for love or for love of family or, you know, kissing Cersei's ass or, or whatever. Honor, yeah. mm-hmm. or, or what he perceived to be the most honorable thing. You know, for him, there has been a lot of gray area and choices he had to make. Similar to the gray area of uh, Randall Tarley having to decide whether he was going to keep his loyalty to... Um, Trails. Yeah. Similar to how he had to decide if he was going to keep 
his loyalty to the Tyrells or um, pledge loyalty to the Lannisters. You know, there's a lot of uh, gray area where Jamie had to make a decision. You know, does he kill the Mad King because he's burning all the people, but then he didn't kill his sister because she was family. He's starting to kind of reevaluate those uh, classifications, which he put his priorities in a list. And he's realizing that he's not the same priority for Cersei as uh, she has been for him. And so he asks her, you know, are, are you really going to give the order to, to kill me? And she, he's like, I'm the last one that you have left. And she makes sure it's known that mm, there's one more to come, pats her belly. And he's like, all right, give the order then, bitch. And she doesn't. He's like, I don't believe you. And then I, w- I kind of took it like it was a double meaning. Like, I don't believe you're going to really kill me. And I don't believe you. I cannot believe you. Like, I can't believe what you're doing here, Cersei. You know, we were talking about baptisms earlier with um, with Greyjoy, and it's like, I feel like this is almost kind of the same thing with him. He's starting fresh. It's like, you know, he was born into this indoctrination of the Lannisters. And just like we saw with Tyrion, you basically have to get to the point where your family has fucked you over so much that you're like, you know what? I'm going to wipe it off and I'm going to start living myself. And I feel like Jamie's had these little instances where this has happened when he was on the road with Brienne. Um, but he fell back into it. And I think the decline from Grace was so fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, he's only been back how long with her? As soon as he gets far enough away from Cersei to kind of have these conversations with anyone, with anyone, <laughs> yeah. you know, him and Bronn having the conversation of like, what are we all in it for? You know, him being with Brienne on their little road trip adventure and him actually having someone to look at that he's like, okay, this is what honor is. Um, and then Jamie does kind of get baptized at the end of the scene by a single snowflake. Oh, yes. Um, right on his little gloved hand. Yes. Oh, the whole <laughs> so much water. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, really look at all that he's gone through. Like, Cersei caused Tommen to kill himself. Like, so there's one child that is really responsible. The death is on Cersei's hands, and he knows this. Um, you know, he's he's up there with the amount of shit that Tyrion took before he was like, fuck this shit, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, and he's only had the noblest intentions, too. You know, he didn't go, oh, I'm going to scheme with Tyrion in the background. He went down to fucking have a fencing lesson because he has one hand and wants to be able to protect people. Mm. Oh, there's my brother. Well, yeah, I'm going to talk to you because that's what I got to do. Come back, reports it right away. Oh, well, you're a traitor. Oh, bitch is crazy. Yeah, he's seeing firsthand and he's able to kind of compare what he's thought to what's really occurring and making the right choice finally. Yep. Um, another thing that's important is we see or we hear how many people are going to be coming over. It's 20,000 men, horses, and even elephants are coming on these ships. So this is a good thing we have here on Sleep for these people because, holy shit, this is a lot of guys. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and elephants. Mm, I like. One thing I was going to mention, too, that we were calling um, some foreshadowing on from Euron's departure where he was like, this is the only shit I've seen that terrifies me. I'm out of here. What do you think the odds are that uh, Euron's going to defect and start his own agenda? I mean, could we see that um, Euron doesn't even go grab these people or that Euron 
somehow ends up taking these uh, mercenaries and having his own fleet and trying to, instead of um, have an alliance with Cersei, try to form an alliance with Danny. I think that's the, you know, that is the key difference between these two sides is you have, you know, the North and Danny, which this foundation is built on trust and honesty and belief. And then you have the other, the bad side, as I'll call it, which is like Cersei and Euron and everyone else with that. And the problem is, is with Cersei and with Euron, they're just waiting for someone to get fucked over so they can fuck them over even more. You know, the second that Euron shows weakness, Cersei's going to off him because she doesn't really want to fucking marry him. She's down for that brotherly love. The second that Cersei makes a wrong move, fucking Euron's going to wipe her out with the ships and fucking be controlling of the kingdom because all he wants is power. Yeah, I I agree. And I don't know if she'll ever actually see those uh, mercenaries or not, but... I feel like she's going to see them, but I do feel like, you know... He's on that sea because he knows it's a good position for him. I don't think he's coming off of it. Why would he? Exactly. So, I mean, what help is he? That's the thing is like up until this point, he's been of great help. But when it comes to fighting the undead, what help is he going to be? They're not going to be. I mean, yeah, Night's King might be on a fucking dragon flying around. That might be helpful for that shit. But other than that, he's going to shuttle around troops. That's all he's good for. And has he actually seen anything in return? She's made all these promises, but has he actually, has Euron actually gotten anything out of this deal yeah, so far? Seem like it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. If Euron was smart, he'd like try to form an alliance with someone else. Just saying. There ain't a lot of people left. Maybe Nessus, though. By the way, what the fuck's happening to Nessus? Are we oh just my done gosh. with that? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, so many questions. Um, okay. Well, let's move on for this. Then we can. One, up one last thing for this part. Oh, that, so. that, that, oh I'm sorry. So another thing about this is I understand that Cersei is not going to be doing this, but aren't they going to fucking realize that right away when there isn't anyone there? Or are they going to be, is she going to send a raven and be like, I'm a, I'm real close. I'm like an hour behind you guys, but go ahead and march without me. Like, I don't understand. Well, I, what conclusion that I came to and I just kind of took it for face value. I didn't really think anything beyond this, but Beginning of scene, we see Jamie talking with the leaders of the army and kind of coming up with a game plan that he's going to, they're going to mar- march on to, uh, out of King's Landing in three days time. Um, the, one of the leaders of the army says, you know, it's going to take us that long just to gather the supplies for the train. And he's like, well, we don't have a fortnight. Um, if the North falls, we fall. The remaining forces will go to the Western lands. We'll take the river road east and we'll meet at Lord Haraway's town and march together to Winterfell. So as far as all these um, commanders know, that's the plan. And when Jamie leaves, he just dashes off. He says he intends to honor that pledge to ride north. And that's all we know. So maybe Cersei will let everyone kind of continue as planned and then we'll send a raven or send someone else to let them know like okay change of plans those are the bad guys now we're fighting against them and by the way the elephants are on their way i don't know i feel like if anything she's going to sacrifice that entire team um maybe they'll still be marching but they'll have orders to fucking slash down some some but i mean as far as they no one knows besides the mountain and jamie that jamie's like peace you know and so if jamie's there 
and he says the raven is invalid or he gets the scroll from the raven and tears it up i mean as far as everyone else knows they're still on that same agenda so yeah i don't know i i didn't get that but yeah we'll have to see what happens next and then i just wanted to take a little time out to just say shout out to whoever did the cinematography because we're finally seeing winter hit the south and it is it's terrifyingly gorgeous like we see snow falling over king's landing we see snow fall over the dragon pit we see snow falling as jamie's riding north and in um some serious foreshadowing we see the painted map in king's landing and snow falling falling all over uh westeros Mm -hmm. so so when Danny's in the House of the Undying and she has that premonition where she's, you know, she's going and seeing um, Carl Drago and her and her son that actually was born and she has to walk away. And then she sees that she's in um, the Iron Throne, but it's like, some people have said it looks like ash. Some people it says it looks like snow. Um, it looks like that part is getting ready. So, I mean, her premonition is coming fucking true. It looks like it, at least part of it. Yeah, I thought so, that same thing. Very, very kind of eerie and set up to, to be true. Speaking of eerie and weird things, mm. uh, next scene is about Bran mm. and Sam. So Sam arrives in Winterfell and meets with Bran. Bran explains that, hey, I'm the Three-Eyed Raven, and John needs to know what his true heritage is. He's a Targaryen and not a Stark. And Sam's like, what the fuck is a Three-Eyed Raven? and (laughs) he's us brand says uh or uh sam also explains that uh actually sam or john's not just a bastard he's a true-born targaryen because i read a book because i transcribed not only a bunch of shit and steps yeah yeah but uh we also me and my woman found in a book that uh guess what Rhaegar and Lyanna were actually married and annulled his uh, marriage to Ilya. Was it Ilya? No. I can't remember. Let me redo that second part. Um, Sam explains to Bran that Jon's not actually a bastard at all, but a true-born Targaryen because Rhaegar and Lyanna were secretly married according to what he read at the Citadel. Uh, And Bran uses his green sight and is able to confirm everything. John's real name is Agar Targaryen, and he is the true heir to the Iron Throne. So, and I think this might explain a little bit of why, um, just this last part here, of why Bran is being so fucking crazy weird, is now he's not even... (laughs) The butt. (laughs) Um, Center. Center stage. Oh, my. Oh, my. (laughs) Um, I think this explains a lot of why Bran is acting so fucking weird, is because now not only is he he's not having to tap into the werewoods to like find out things it's like literally in his mind already he just has so much to process he has to like go into that segment and process it like Mm -hmm. so very very interesting um we also find out that his john's real name is Aegon targaryen um and then bran bran's like he needs to know and then just then john's like what up danny um i've had i've had these candles lit and waits for you my nephew ship sex so boat sex meanwhile um shout out to bran you're not getting any less creepier by narrating uh your 
fake brother's uh, sex scene with his real aunt. Like, yeah. mm, let's try not to be as yeah. creepy as you were with Sansa, but uh, still be well, even more creepy. technically, it's like even Danny is his cousin or like something, second aunt or whatever, right? Who? Well, because, okay, so Bran, what's Bran's technical relationship with John? Uh, nothing. It's his cousin, right? Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because it's his, yeah, so that would be his cousin. So if that's his aunt, what is that? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's, it's too, still everyone, gross. let's do, <laughs> let's, let's do another episode of, like, incest charting. Oh, <laughs> you look so beautiful with your fat ass. <laughs> like, hey, Bran, let's uh, dial it down on the creepy scale. Mm-hmm. Um, How'd yeah, you feel? So... How'd you feel about this? Were you shipping Danny and John? Oh, duh. I mean, yeah, I've only said that a thousand times, but I must say, Targaryen butts. Mm. I was gonna say, good. Uh, gratuitous ass shot, much Lovely. appreciated. Uh, also, kind of interesting to me, and I've always wondered this: How do guys with fucking that much hair on their face and head? Have no hair anywhere else on their body. And completely oiled, like, perfectly yeah. chiseled. Just saying. Mm. But yeah. Um, she's got pregnant right there. Yeah. She was There's pregnant no when way. he opened the door. Yeah. She was like, oh, <gasps> I feel dragons. Uh, <laughs> mother of dragons and John's babies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but are we going to start calling him Aegon now? Um, I'm not. I'm not there yet. I have a whole, what? Until 2019 to get Aegon in my Yeah, in my it's going to be kind of weird. But yeah. Funny though. Funny side note is uh, Sam's like, oh, so how did you find out that John was here? Did you see it in your vision? And of course, Brown's like, no, I got a scroll. Like, duh. <laughs> the first time he actually reads a scroll and, and has a sense like, of humor in the future. Or somewhat. What did you think uh, also about. Uh, Tyrion, it didn't really make much sense that he was like, kind of out. Do not like this one bit at all. I think we are looking at. We talked about this earlier in the the Cersei and Tyrion scene. Mm-hmm. How he, I love the children. He's got a soft spot in his heart for those fucking kids, and I wonder if. And I've been saying this for a while too. It's not like it's out of the blue, but I think he might be fucking betraying. You have said that. I am still on the no way, no how train because, and I'll tell you in this episode why I think that is because he was kind of soliciting Bronn when they first met back up. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, have you considered, are you really doing this? Um, I don't you? think he, I, I don't think it's something where he's like in the back of his head. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. It's not malicious like that. But I feel like he has these waves that come over him where he's like, oh, like, you know, when you've grown up and your way of life and knowing these things in your family are the way they are, and then you're going to completely throw that on end, that takes a lot of balls to do. And it also kind of takes someone without a heart. And he's not that person. He's the kind of person that regrets his decisions. You know, when he killed Shay, he fucking regretted that instantly. Mm-hmm. But he knew it had to be done. Like, I don't know. I feel like this might be the same thing. And I, I don't know. Like, do you what did you get from that i didn't get jealousy from it i just got more like he's like oh shit this is accelerating things it's not just a little girl anymore and i feel like he kind of realizes that he's out he's not the hand of the king anymore well i think that because the king isn't going to be fucking danny it's going to be fucking egg on well i think he has no idea about that right now i think doesn't he's... matter i think he's if you marry a queen does it matter what i'm saying to you no, Corey? It doesn't. obviously 
No, but seriously, <laughs> like if you're a queen, right, mm-hmm. and you marry someone who's of normal birth, and we don't know that he's Aegon Targaryen yet, he's just Jon Snow, but what happens then? I mean, are you then serving the king? Or are you the hand of the queen still? And the queen is the one who rules. Like, it, it there's no precedence for this, so we don't know. But, you know, I would be worried for that, A. B, just for the fact that John's in her ear, obviously. Now, this is like the third or fourth time that he's given her advice or given her counsel, and she follows it. She actively is like, fuck you, Tyrion. We had that conversation last episode where she's like, fuck you, Tyrion. So... I don't know. And the weird, like, he brought that up last episode where he was like, oh, we need to name an heir in case something happens to you. Creepy foreshadowing. Like, I don't know why he's looking like this. It's creepy and weird. You would think he would be happy for them. He he knows John. He thinks John's a stand-up guy. He obviously is fine with Danny. You'd think he'd be okay with this. I don't know. It's weird. I mean, look, like, what does Tyrion do? Every every decision Tyrion does is horrible, so... Uh, but Tyrion, like, just had to, you know, make good to his sister. Like, almost had to sacrifice his Which life is, to and get them out. fucking them over because it's a fucking double cross. Like, yeah. before that, he got almost everyone in the fucking army of the ships killed. Before but, that, he got however many other people killed. Like... Yeah, I just... I don't think it's good to be actively following falling in love with someone... Right before you go to war. Yeah, but maybe that's the only way you keep on having babies. Yeah, I'm still grossed out. Like, dude, this is your aunt. It doesn't gross me out. Well. I mean, it would now, but I just keep on thinking of this like fucking England, like back in the day with royalty. I mean, yes, I know Targaryens typically will marry each other and have multiple sister wives. Like, actual, their yeah. own sisters. Yeah, and this is, like, far enough away to where I'm like, okay, like, it's not that gross to me. I think the thing is, is, like, if Danny was, like, 39, it would gross me out. Let me, can I add you? Like, can... oh, my Aunt Danny. <laughs> <laughs> she well, has dragons and she's sexy. She's not 39. She's, like, 16. So yeah. does that make it any less gross to you now? Well, how old is he? Like, 15? 19. I thought he was younger than her. Uh-uh. Um, I thought they were very close or he was younger. Yeah, they're, no, he's older, but they're very close in age. So, um, they are within six months, six to eight months of each other. So they're the same age. Just saying. All right. Well, this is my thing. The incestness is weird and creepy when you grow up in the same household you know that you're related, and there's an age difference, so it makes it creepy and weird and pedophilic, right? They're the same age. They didn't grow up to each- with each other. They don't look alike at all. And for God's sakes, he fucking has no idea about it. Like, shit. Back in these days, you go down to the town brothel and fuck some chick, you're probably fucking your half-cousin. Like, just saying. Still gross. I mean, yeah, in our terms, but <laughs> to them, whatever. Okay, so. Next scene is uh, Sansa and Arya meeting on top of Winterfell. Arya asks Sansa if she's all right, and Sansa said that, uh, or, and tells Sansa that she did the right thing. Uh, Sansa asks Arya if she's bothered that Sansa is the Lady of Winterfell now, 
And Arya said she wouldn't have been good at it and uh, that she had to become something else because she could never be a lady. This is this conversation that we wanted like a couple episodes ago where we're like, just fucking talk to each other and you'll get it. And we have this. And this is like this end stamp on this whole drama. Like we're we're not worried about this anymore. Um, We have essentially everyone is like, you know what? Like, you know, remember what father used to say? Like the, you know, the wind blows and the lone wolf dies, but um, the pack survives or whatever the fuck they say. Mm-hmm. Um, we really get this because we have John is now going back to Winterfell, right? Mm-hmm. Are they, yeah, they're meeting at Winterfell first, right? And then they're, they're taking their They're meeting up. at, um... yeah, I mean, are, they're essentially going to be all reunited again first here, right? Mm-hmm. So... I think it's going to be awesome. Like we're going to have four Starks in the same household where they grew up all together, all united. They're on top of the world. And then we're going to have technically another part of the family. But um, here's my take on it. Okay. We have the original Starks, which are John, Bran, um, almost said Theon, John, Bran, Rickon, Sansa, and Arya. So Rickon's dead. Um, Rob. Bran. Oh, Rob. Rob is dead. How did I forget about my baby daddy, yeah. Rob? Rob's dead. Um, Bran's the three-eyed raven, so technically not a Stark in his mind. Um, Arya said she could never become a lady, so she had to become something else. So she's saying she's not a Stark. And we know yeah, now that John is a Targaryen, so... um. So Sansa's all by herself. Is what Sansa, you're yep. Sansa doesn't have the pack anymore. Mm, I think what we hear from um, John when he's talking to Theon is really important, where you can be a part of a family and be a part of something else. And, you know, like like we've learned a long time ago, Targaryens and Starks used to wed in the past a long time ago. That's a very common thing. So I think... Not even not so long ago, just... Uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? John's parents. Um, but, you know, traditionally, that's something that people, you know, talk about and remember. So I think it's, yeah, I mean, they're definitely all different. I don't know. Bran being the Three-Eyed Raven, I don't think that makes him not a Stark at all. I just think it makes him a little weirdo. I don't think, he still has the interest in heart with that. And he still, I think he had a lot to do with this whole Littlefinger thing. So, you know, he's still in it for the game. Arya couldn't be a lady, but that doesn't mean she's not a Stark, like... Look, we have Brienne even. I feel like Brienne is a fucking Stark. Like, she's honor bound to be with them. So I don't know. I think they're they're definitely not alone. I don't feel like it's just Sansa by herself. I don't I don't feel like it is right at this moment, but I think the way that it's worded and the way things are coming about that it's a little foreshadowing on maybe a turn of events in the future. Could be. So um do you have anything to say about the fact that um, Sansa says, you know, you're the one that did it to Arya. And Arya's like, I was just the execution- executioner. You passed the sentence. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that Ned would always say that the person who passes the sentence needs to swing the sword. So we see here um, them quoting verbatim their father, but for some reason not um, following, it following through on what he had said about the passing the sentence and swinging the sword. Do you think that's going to come back to bite them in the ass? Do you think it's foreshadowing something else? Um, I do think it might be foreshadowing a little bit. We don't have a lot to play with here because really 
we have one season after this, right? Mm-hmm. But to me, maybe it's foreshadowing a little bit that Sansa, while she's not having malicious intentions like Cersei, might have that separation of like, you know, I'm I'm giving out the sentences, but I don't have to touch the death of people. So whatever, my hands are clean. Might be a little precarious for her to be in. But I'm not sure. Or do you think that Arya actually has killed Sansa and is wearing her face simultaneously and is no. Arya? <laughs> nope. Do you think Arya will become um, Sansa's mountain? Mm, no, I feel like Arya is more going to be a rogue spy. I, I don't foresee her sitting around Winterfell. She has a list to get done. She's got faces to wear. Those only work. She's got faces to wear and people to Bitch, see. Put that face on, um, girl. Those contours. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Know. I feel like she's gonna go down to King's Landing. She's gonna be killing Cersei. That's what's on her list. That's what she's gonna do. She's gonna be doing it on permission of Sansa. All right. Well, so we cut to the last scene, and we've got Bran the man wearing his uh, working into his weirwood tree to uh, use ravens to go to the wall at Eastwatch. Um, there, you see Tormund and Beric, and they're talking, and just that moment, the army of the dead come from beyond the tree line. So the wildlings try to sound the horn, but it's already too late. The Night's King is riding on top of uh, Danny's deceased and now zombie dragon, and he leads it to the wall, commanding it to destroy the wall by breathing its blue fire. Um, once a large enough portion of the wall falls, the army of the dead begin to march south beyond the wall. And that's where we end this season. So I don't know. First thought, this is a little conspiracy that I was thinking. So we know that we're seeing this through Bran's warg vision and Bran can see future, past, present. Do you think that this is something that can be prevented? Is he seeing something happen in the future that maybe they can prevent? Or you think this is live action? I think it's live action. Yeah, for sure. I think it's live action. And Tormund and Beric, let's just cut to it. Did they live? Did, or did they live or did they die? Oh, they're alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's easier for my mind to uh, just not focus on Yeah, I feel on. like if they were going to kill them, they would have given them a proper death scene instead of just, oh, they're gone. Um, now, they might be buried in the wall and it's pretty hard to get the fuck out of there, but... Um, you know, that might have been actually kind of fortuitous for them because the Army of the Dead just marches on past and doesn't try to recruit them. But who knows? We we haven't seen. We might see that opening of next season. Yeah, this is fucking insane, crazy town. Um, the dragon taking down this fucking wall is crazy shit town. Like, I cannot believe, like, it's, that's like the size of a glacier right? <laughs> literally coming down from this dragon. And this brings up one thing that I was kind of curious about. Do you think there's a difference between this blue fire and the red fire that the dragons put out? Is yeah. this blue flame one's from stronger? A dead, one's from a dead dragon. <laughs> I understand that. But is there a difference, like, is the chemical composition different to where it's more intense? Like, the other thing, too, is, like, this dragon sits there and puts out fucking flame like a flamethrower for, like, it seems like 30 minutes. Like, I don't think the other he's dragons can do that. After he's been pulled out of the ice, it's like his baptism, and he's just, like, a brand new dragon. Like, hey, guys. <laughs> Honey. I'm ready. <laughs> um, I was thinking the same thing, Corey. And also what I was kind of thinking is, I mean, we don't know really enough about dragons, let alone undead dragons. But, um... 
we know that whites can be killed with fire. And if mm-hmm. he is a dragon white, then maybe this isn't fire. Maybe it's some other type of white, uh, you know, stand in for fire. Because if whites can be killed by fire and this dragon has fire within it, it's kind of an oxymoron. But mm. Well, and you, also, too, that's that's my one question, too, about all of this the winter and how it's around these white walkers and everything is if you take and i mean we kind of saw this with the white like where the hand was cut off and brought down the king's landing a long time ago it just died if this dragon ends up going someplace where it's not full on winter yet is it just going to melt and decompose and does that same thing happen with its fire you know if it's generating a lot of heat that to me makes sense like oh you're you're undead right Mm -hmm. so you want to prevent the decaying process and all that by having essentially in a freezer right Mm -hmm. but the second you have heat like don't they just spoil like i don't know it's it's kind of uh weird and i think we'll probably learn more about it next season i hope yeah um yeah, it was a pretty crazy fucking episode. Um, I cannot believe this is where we left off. Um, I really wish we had a couple more episodes. <laughs> God damn you, HBO. Right. Um, but considering half of them were leaked, I can only assume that they need to take a year off to lock down their servers and make sure that they don't get hacked again. Let all the places that they film have winter again. Yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. I thought it was a pretty awesome ending to the season. Um, that wall coming down was just fucking epic. That dragon, oh my god, that dragon. I can't wait to see more of it, even though it scares the shit out of me because I know death's coming. Um, I do think that they're playing a little safe, I think, with killing people off. You know, I think there's a lot of fan favorites and a lot of uproar about people dying, and they, they cut it close. We saw that with Jamie. We saw that with a couple other people last episode. But we really haven't seen anyone die. Yeah, everyone's um, besides Littlefinger, which everyone danger. wanted to die anyways. Um, so I think they're saving it for the finale. I think it's going to be, you know, when you talk to people when they first start watching Game of Thrones, the Red Wedding is what people fucking talked about. It's infamous. And I think that's the way they're going to go out. Another wedding. Probably. We'll see. Um, yeah, did you have anything to say about closing before we kind of get into some certain points? Um, no, I just, um, as far as the final scene goes, uh, I just want to say that, yeah, that scene of the dragon taking down the wall and that blue flame or whatever it was, totally cool. The snow crumbling from that, um, wall of ice. I can say, look, I live in Alaska. I've seen Glacier's Cab and that was some phenomenal special effects. Looks just like it. Oh, totally. Um, so what do you think is next for the Undead Army? Do you think they're going to go along the wall, or do you think they're just going to head south? Um, well, at the rate that they're going, uh, who knows? They might need to add an extra season, but maybe they get a little right. faster <laughs> once they get past the wall. Maybe yeah. that Well, I mean, they can march nonstop, so they have that in their favor. Um, okay, so do you think when John finds out about his noble birth of being a Targaryen, it's up in the air if they're still going to have feelings. I think it's not going to matter. Other people have different opinions. But do you think it's going to change at all kind of who's taking orders from who? Or no? Oh, do you mean, do I think it's going to kind of change, change up the, the dynamic chain of command? Of, yeah. Um, 
I think it's going to make Danny feel some type of way. To John, it doesn't mean anything. But to Danny, it means everything. That she's the rightful heir. And it's totally going to make her, you know, reevaluate everything that she's thought about. You know, when she thought her brother was actually the heir. I mean, she was like, okay, I'll marry this guy, Khal Drogo. And then she was like, he's no dragon. Yeah. And it totally changed the way she thought of everything. So um, I feel like she's going to maybe have some sort of resentment to him, if not fly completely off the handle. I don't see her going completely off the handle, but I do see her being like, wait a minute. Hold up. I'm fucking my nephew, True Targaryen. Mm, yeah. Check, check. <laughs> okay. Um, question. Do you think it turns to winter in Essos? No. Okay. I don't either. Do you think that's going to have any importance? We've really left Essos off the map for this entire season. Well, I have some things that I want to say about Melisandre, but I think I want to save it to my speculations for next Okay, we'll do it on the next one. I just was wondering, because I think that might become an important um, fact here. And I also don't understand if, hey, if I was fucking nobility, I'd be like, yeah, fight that war. I'm going to go off to Essos for a vacation. <laughs> right. <laughs> See you later. Carth? Uh, Her Carth is nice, and there's no one there. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um... So, Bran didn't say anything to Sam about his father or brother being killed. Now, do you think that he's going to... Who do you think is going to tell him? Who's finally going to have the balls to tell Sam this? Hmm, good question. And also, will it really matter to Sam? I mean, Sam's been disrespected by his family. His dad basically sent him to the wall and said that you're, you know... Yeah. You're... (laughs) <laughs> took away his because um, he was supposed to be the heir isn't he older than uh, Dickon mm-hmm. I think mainly probably not his father so much but his brother's death yeah I think you, you know it'll be shocking for him but I think it'll be something that he'll be able to understand it may you know depending on the dynamics of if John's actually going to step up and be the true heir to the throne um, it won't matter so much but maybe um, Sam has you know a little more resentment or put some speculation of you know whether or not danny is really a good person or not in his head but Mm. i don't see it being more of a plot line than something like that what do you think um i do think he's gonna take it a bad way um but i don't know how dramatic it's gonna be or how long lasting that's gonna be i mean it's sam so come on i i don't i don't think he's gonna like it i mean i think it's gonna be a big fucking issue um but i think it's gonna be between him and danny it's not gonna be about him and anyone else and he still has loyalty to john so what can you do and it's not like john had anything to do with it so he can't blame him for it it's a fucking wicked world out there i don't know just interesting still interesting he still doesn't fucking know yeah the thing i just want to reiterate here closing I want to know how much Cersei has set this up and how much she was conscious of and how much shit just, like, happened to fall in her lap, you know? We started the episode thinking out, oh, you know, Euron just left. Oh, she didn't kill her brother because she loved him, da-da-da. She didn't kill Tyrion because, oh, she has a soft spot for him. And then we realized, nope, she planned this entire thing out. She planned for Euron to go off and get these mercenaries and bring them back. She's trying to trick them, so she probably saved Tyrion's life just so she could do that. 
Jamie, who knows what's going on, and she just keep him as a fucking seed bank, so in case this baby dies, she gets another one? Like, I don't think she's keeping him at all. He just said, you know, fuck you, I'm keeping my promise. Rode off. Yeah, but why didn't she Baptized kill him? Baptized with the snowflake, remember? Yeah. I'm just saying, why didn't she kill him? You know, like, so... I this is my main thread, and I think this is going to be really important for the beginning of next season, and what happens in the next season is what was she consciously doing, and what just happened to fall in her lap? And if this was all orchestrated, holy shit, this chess game is going to be interesting. Cersei's never been that smart. I mean, she can she can plan things to a point, but she's not been great at the long she game. She is Kyburn. Kyburn's her hand now. And Kyburn's all on the side of the, <laughs> the undead. Yeah. Or- I mean, he's like, Night's King? Hmm. like it. I love it. Want some more I, of it. Do you think Kyburn will be instrumental in um, orchestrating any weapons against the Night's King? Maybe. Maybe he takes that hand and does some little... Experimente. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, I don't... Kyburn like and Sam it's... get together and like find the cure for White Walkers. Everyone comes I back to not. life. I don't. I get the skeeves from fucking Kyburn, and I don't think it's something that you should mess with. You know, it's like, what happens if he messes with it and accidentally creates zombie plague? You know. Well, I think they already are facing zombie plagues. So. No, I mean like where like it bites you, and then like like Walking Dead style. You know. Oh, so, like, but. I mean, if they bite you or if they put a sword through you, it's probably easier to put a sword through you than it is to oh, bite you. Oh, come on. You know everyone in that little suicide squad got bit once or twice. Like, <laughs> they all be gone. Well, Tormund, damn. He can survive yeah. what he went through last episode. He can survive anything. Yeah, I don't I just, I don't like Kyber messing with that shit. I do think he's going to be instrumental in it, but I don't know. Dude, I don't know. Maybe he'll make his own group of dead well yeah gross like some mountains like if you're yeah. already if you're already dead can you be put through the army of the seriously dead? speaking of the mountain did you notice how now the whole I, I don't know if it's like the city watch now or if it has a different term but all of them dress exactly like the mountain do and remember they used to be gold cloaks uh-huh. they're all while wearing black seriously wearing black it's this very, like, symbolic, like, f- it's like fall from grace, kind of. Interesting. I wonder if it's just the Lannister soldiers have a different uh, guard than, like, the King's Guard people. Well, they're not Lannister so- soldiers. Well, Lannister that's what soldiers I'm saying. have their own get-up, too. They're, they're the city uh, well, watch. Well, you just mean the um, King's Guard people yeah. all have a different outfit now. Oh, yeah. Well, they have to match Michael Jackson. Yeah. But, I mean, it's Cersei's just the Beyonce. helmet even is, like, exactly the same as All him. the single ladies. All the single ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Imagine too. the mountain. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah. She announces the baby in the middle of the video. Uh-huh. Beyonce. <laughs> I told you twins. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think we should probably save any more speculations for our next episode. Okay. Okay, so overall, great end of the season. Great season itself. Cannot wait for the next one. Um, We're going to have another episode that comes up, and we're going to kind of do a conclusion of what we thought of the entire season itself, make a lot of predictions and theories, and um, kind of do a little bit of a final wrap-up on that. 
Okay, well, that's it for the finale of Game of Thrones. Make sure you tune in to see what we're doing next time. Um, we're going to have one more episode for this kind of season seven wrap up where we're going to do a lot of predictions and that kind of stuff. And then after that, we're going to be starting to do something a little bit different. We're going to go back and we're going to be going through season one from the beginning. Um, and we're going to be releasing those on a weekly schedule. So it might not be on the same day, but. Um, Definitely once a week, we'll have one, and we're going to see how that one goes, do the first season at least, and then if you guys like it, we're going to keep on doing it until we have new Game of Thrones, which is going to take forever. I don't know how I'm going to make it. unfortunately. Um, Maybe I'll crash another dinner with Sansa and really um, ask her to join in (laughs) this time. Right. Um, If you guys are craving more of our feedback on Game of Thrones, something that you can check out, I think we talked about in the beginning, is our pod pack that we teamed up with Bald Move and several other podcasts to do. Um, Basically, what you do is you can pick from a podcast pod pack. Um, One of them that we're doing is with Bald Move and another podcast. You pay $4 and you get all three of those episodes that are standalone that you can get nowhere else. If you want to get all of them, you pay $12 and you get every episode from all 12 of the podcasts that participated. And at the end of the month when that closes, you basically can go ahead and get that. If you want that, you can go to the description in um, the podcast. There's a link there or it's tinyurl.com slash perfectly honest. And it's for charity, guys. A portion of the proceeds go to the ACLU, which is a great charity. If you're not sure what it is, definitely look it up. Um, As always, if you guys want to give us some feedback, you can always go to our website at tobeperfectlyhonestpodcast.com or send us an email at tobeperfectlyhonest at gmail.com. Okay, and then a final matter of business that we have is we need to complete our giveaways. Thank you for all of you guys who rated us on iTunes. Um, We're going to give away two items. The first item is going to be a Funko Pop doll of the Night's King. Super creepy and cool. Pretty size, Night King. And that one off of the random selection is going to... Kier907. So, um, Congratulations. Yep, he said, nice to listen, or she said, nice to listen to a chill podcast about a dope show. So um, give us your contact information. Just send it to tobeperfectlyhonestpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll get that sent to you. We just need your shipping information. And we have one more to give away, and this one's of Jon Snow, and this is Jon Snow with a scar who looks kind of badass, who's come back to life. Um, and this one we're going to be giving away from random selection to Louise.Alexio. So um, he said, four throne heads. So if you get us your personal information, we'll send that out right away to you guys. Um, and it'd be awesome if you could take a picture and submit it to our Instagram as well. Well, that's it for this week's episode of To Be Perfectly Honest. I'm Corey. And I'm Anel. And as always, stay perfectly honest. Stay perfectly honest.